Good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you. Um, our worship team has just done a great job in um, at least helping me be very receptive to God's presence and His gracious activity. Um, and this sermon may be more for me than for you this morning. We'll find out. Um, by the way, um, if this is your first time here, I'm Greg Brady. I'm the pastor. And I want to mention a breakfast we're having next Sunday. If you're newer to Hope Church, um, if you're just becoming acquainted or want to become more acquainted with Hope Church, we're having a breakfast 930 in the fireside room, um, and I'd love for you to come. And it'd be a chance just for us to meet, visit with one another, uh, get to know one a little better, and I would love to uh, to see you there. So that's one week from today at 9.30. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, thank you for your, your grace and your mercy. Uh, thank you that when life is heavy, um, you are uh, heavier, <laughs> you are more weighty with your grace and your spirit and your power. And um, we pray that as we hear your word today, we would be renewed and uh, that we would find strength for um, each and every moment. In Christ's name, amen. We are talking about water this month and its symbolism in the Bible. And I want to read a few verses and see if you can tell the direction that we're going in today. And um, as I mentioned, our worship team's just done a great job, so you may already know where we're going today. But here are a few verses uh, nonetheless. Um, uh, Psalm 42, verse 7, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. And Psalm 88 um, verse 7, your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all of your waves. And this, this one is from Jonah, chapter 2, verse 3. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. In the Bible, uh, water is used as a very positive symbol, and that's what we've talked about um, the past couple of weeks, it symbolizes new life, new creation. Like we talked about last week, it, it represents washing and cleansing and being made new. We're going to talk about that next week. Um, but water also is used as a symbol of difficulty, of struggle, of storms that uh, we can encounter. The psalm writer, as well as Jonah, knew the incredible power of water. We know that today. That's why rivers like the Colorado River are dammed up, like Hoover Dam, because the power of that water, I think the Hoover Dam creates uh, power for 1.3 million people, just that, that one river. More locally, we know the power of water that's why we have the seawall, because we see what happens when um, 
the the uh, the storm surge just kind of can scrape a city off of its foundation. So when you build that protective wall, we know about the power of water, and that's why water is um, and storms are often used as a metaphor for the trials and the difficulties that we go through in life. Today, we're going to talk about how God uses a storm in our life. Turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 23 through 25. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. And so they got into a boat and set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples in fear and amazement. They asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. As we start off, I want you to take note of how routine this day started out for the disciples. And Luke opens up the story, verse 22. Uh, Let's look at that. And he puts it like this. One day, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. One day, just a, just a routine day for these disciples. You know, if you tell me, hey, Greg, let's go over to the other side of the lake, um, I think, hey, something special is going on. We're going to go get some seafood at Kima. That's, that's a special day for me if you tell me, let's go to the other side of the lake. Uh, when Jesus said to the disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake, they're like, all right, it's just a, just a normal day for them. Um, they could have gone to the other side of the lake on autopilot. They were so accustomed to being on the Sea of Galilee, many of them being fishermen. They could have done that in their sleep. Now, the Sea of Galilee is known for its ability to, to conjure up storms in a moment's notice. It's surrounded by mountains, and some of them quite high. And so cool air comes over the mountains and rushes down to the sea and interact with the, the warm waters of the, and warmer air of the sea and can um, bring up a, a quite a, a turbulent storm. And the Sea of Galilee is a shallower sea, and so it doesn't take much to get those waters churning and to have those um, very large swells. And the disciples were used to all that. Uh, they were used to storms on the Sea of Galilee. And a, typically, a storm would not have gotten their attention very much. And normally, they wouldn't have been sent into a panic. Uh, so it started off as a routine day, maybe a routine storm. But then that storm got very, very severe. And it's interesting to note how all of their training... All of their experience, all of their expertise just went out the window all of a sudden. And that's a storm. And that's life. They, the disciples did not go into superhuman mode. This did not necessarily bring out the best in them. They did not st- per- start performing way beyond their abilities. So they were at a total loss of what to do. What does God do through a storm? One, 
God uses a storm to do this. Storms remove the illusion of my control. Don't you love how Luke puts it in verse 23? He says, A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. Thank you, Luke, for adding that little detail for us about how dangerous it was for them. There's a, a picture of me when I was four or five years old, and I think about it every once in a while. Uh, it was pretty traumatic for me at the, at the time. That's why I remember it. My mom uh, is holding me uh, maybe, I don't know, four feet or so high on the, the Mercury Redstone rocket out at, out at NASA. And the picture is funny because you should see my look and my mom's look. She's smiling like everything is great. I look terrified in this picture because I thought that rock was going to blast off. And I'm right on. I mean, I just remember that moment. Was I in danger? Of course not. But this, this scene in the Bible... Luke doesn't pull any punches. This isn't kind of training ground. This is like real life. Taking the gloves gloves off, they were in great danger. We can get caught up in the routine of life. It can seem like everything is under control, largely under our control. You may feel well prepared. You may feel well prepared professionally I can do my job really well you may feel well prepared financially I got good savings in the bank physically you may feel well prepared I'm in good shape and then you know you kind of do this routine one day after another things seem to be going on autopilot um, so much so that you may be inclined to put your relationship with God maybe on the back seat for a while and then one day just an, an ordinary day a storm will come up and remove all of the illusion that you are in control and you can just rely on your own ingenuity or your own ability or your own expertise. You know, the beginning of of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, we find out that God gives human beings dominion. Okay. See if this one bar lasts me. If it goes out again, I'm grabbing that microphone. Uh, God gives us dominion over creation to positively produce and contribute and add value. But having dominion is not the same thing as having control. We are not in control. We can try to mitigate our risk all that we want to. That's fine. That's great. Have a backup plan. Have savings in the bank. That's wonderful. But don't be overly confident in that because a storm that can come up from nowhere and smash all of our preparations to bits. And that is what God can use to drive us to him and not to our own abilities and ingenuities, right? God uses storms to drive us to him. Two, storms teach us where to put our faith. Look at the question that Jesus asked his disciples in verse uh, 25. Where is your faith? He asked the disciples. And we don't know his, his uh, uh, 
the 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 voice, the the um, the facial expressions, his tone when he asked that. Is he a little frustrated with his disciples? Like, oh, come on, guys, where's your faith? Is that how Jesus asked that question? Maybe, but I don't think so. See, it was Jesus' idea to go out on the lake that day, and I'm quite confident that Jesus knew that a storm was coming. And so Jesus had something that he wanted the disciples to see and learn uh, not to set them up for failure. Not so that he could give them one of those, come on, guys, let's get our act together moments. No. I see Jesus calmly and yet with great authority stopping the wind and the waves and then turning to the disciples and saying, now where is your faith? Where do we put our faith when we go through storms? I want to mention three things here. Uh, not in ourselves. We've already seen that. Now that doesn't mean that we don't do anything when there's a storm going on. Maybe the best thing to do at the moment when a storm is when there's water dumping into your boat is to grab a bucket or something and start bailing water at at the same time. Maybe that's the, the best thing to do at the moment. But we don't put our faith in ourselves. Uh, not in ourselves. Here's another thing not to put our faith in. This is, this is the tricky one. Not in outcomes. We don't put our faith in the outcomes that we want Jesus to bring. Um, you know, the story is pretty easy to read from an arm's length. Like, we weren't there. Um, so it's kind of fun to watch the disciples in that moment and, woo. What an awesome miracle they got to experience, but we're kind of glad that we weren't in the boat. Um, and one of the reasons is because we know that we can't put our faith in the outcomes that we want Jesus to bring. Because sometimes those aren't the outcomes that Jesus brings. Back in 2013, my sister uh, Carrie was in a tragic car accident. She lost her five-year-old son at the time he died in the accident. Um, she prayed, we prayed, and Brady, my nephew, still did not make it out of that. Um, and I'm convinced it wasn't because we weren't praying hard enough or that she didn't believe enough or we didn't believe enough. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Because if that were the formula, just really believe that God's going to do it and he will do it. If that's the formula, then... You know what, the, the human mortality rate, which has been hovering for quite a while at 100%, would take a nosedive if that were the formula. Just get sick, know that Jesus is going to heal you, and he keeps healing you, and all of a sudden you're 500 years old. Um, we, we know that doesn't happen. Um, sooner or later, the outcome that you want to have happen does not happen. Sometimes Jesus does not stop the car accident from bringing us down, or cancer, or heart attack from bringing us down. So imagine Jesus looking at the disciples. Where is your faith? What are you putting your faith in? And here's the answer. Only in Christ. Not the outcome that we want Christ to bring, but in Christ himself. If we stay above the waves, we're putting our faith in Christ. If we're sinking below the waves, we're putting our faith in Christ. If we're sinking down and down and down, we're putting our faith in Christ. We put our faith in Christ alone. 
Jesus brings us into storms so that we will look at him and keep our eyes on him the entire time. And I, because we're not putting our faith in the outcomes that Jesus can bring, whether, regardless of what those outcomes are, um, there's a truth. And Pierre earlier mentioned this truth. Um, and it might be the most important thing for us to hear today, and it's this. Christ is good no matter what happens. So let me put that in another way. Christ isn't any less good to you if what you want to happen doesn't happen. Christ doesn't love you any less if what you want to happen doesn't happen. Christ is good no matter what. All right, junior hires, I want to dismiss you to uh, continue discussing storms in your life and what you can learn from storms and how you can rely on Jesus. Um, I want to tell you why it's important for us to remember why Christ is good no matter what happens. Larry Crabb was one of the influential Christian psychologists of the last several decades. I think he died earlier this year. He talked about the importance of approaching God from a foundation of belief instead of a foundation of doubt. A foundation of doubt is coming to God and saying, God, you need to prove yourself to me for me to go any further with you. That's approaching God from a foundation of, of doubt. And, and see, God just doesn't choose to relate to us like that. Uh, because in a sense, what you're saying to God really when you're saying that is, God, you need to prove that you are good enough for me. And God says, the way to come to me is through faith. It's by putting your faith in me. And that's how you will find me. One of the verses that I've always loved but never quite fully understood how to do it is Jeremiah 29, verse 13. It's a great promise where God says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And the reason why in the past is like, I don't know how to do that is because we can't, you can't force love in your heart, right? How do you know if you're loving God with all of your heart? I'm going to squeeze all the love of God. I can get it out of my heart so that I will find him. You know, I don't think that's exactly what God is saying. Like, oh, if you'll just love me a little bit more, then you'll find me. Um, if you'll conjure up that love, just get it in there somehow, you will find me. I, I don't think that's what God is saying to in that promise. I think it's something a little bit like Larry Crabb mentions, that the way to God is through a foundation of faith and not through a foundation of doubt. Um, knowing and believing, God, I'm going to put my faith in you regardless of what happens, whatever the outcomes are, whatever the situations are, the circumstances of my life are, I'm putting my hope in you. I'm putting my faith in you. That is approaching God with this this loving heart. I know, God, that you are worthy, in other words, regardless of what happens in life. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. That's when we find God. Jesus, when we say, you are good all the time. And this leads us to our last point. Storms test the quality of our faith foundation. Um, there is a physical outcome to this, this storm, this trial. It's a wonderful physical outcome in the story. 
Jesus stops the wind and the waves. But of even greater importance is the spiritual outcome of the story. The disciples come to a greater understanding of who Jesus is. And it moves them to, to worship and just be in front of Jesus with awe and wonder. Look at verse 25. They say, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Once Jesus told a parable about a storm. There are two houses with two different foundations. And they went through a storm. And one of them fell apart, and one of those houses stood firm because of the foundation. One was on sand, one was on rock. When we go through a storm, the quality of our faith foundation is tested. Do we remain firm, or do we collapse? So how do you have this firm faith foundation? As I was kind of reading, preparing for the sermon, I ran across this statement. Someone else said this great phrase. Uh, Never doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. A storm is not the time to doubt what God has revealed to you about himself. A storm is the time to apply what God has revealed to you about himself. It's time to stand on what God has revealed to you about himself. So there, there are three truths about Jesus that I think we can take from this story and, and stand firm on those truths in the storm. Jesus is the one in the boat with us. You're not going through the storm alone. Jesus is in the boat with, with you. Now, at first, you might not notice him because in this story, he was pretty quiet, right? I mean, he was, he was taking a snooze in this story. He could be very quiet. When you were going through a storm, Jesus might not be making much of a scene because he's the one remaining extremely calm. And that's what we need. Jesus is the calm in our storm. Jesus is our non-anxious presence in the store. He's taking a nap. He's the napper. And we need him taking a nap. He's not napping, right? He's acting calm. He is calm. Not because he doesn't care. It's because Jesus knows exactly how he's going to save you. And it, it may be exactly how you want to be saved, and it may be in a different way. But he's not just going to sit by. I remember uh, when my 17-year-old daughter Kate was maybe two at the time. We were playing in the beautiful, clear water of the Guadalupe River. It was really shallow. Um, she was you know, standing up, and I was, I was right there with her. You know. And she stepped off one of the rocks and kind of lost her footing and slipped under the water just for a moment, and I saw her eyes just get really big as she went under the water, you know, and I was just right there, and she looked terrified. And I just reached and grabbed and picked her right up. Jesus is not going to sit by while you're going through a storm. He's going to save. may not be the way that exactly how we want, but he will save us when we go down. Uh, another truth about Jesus. Jesus is not worried for us. When my uh, sister and brother-in-law lost their 
their son Brady. Uh, one of the greatest gifts of faith was the realization that Jesus was not worried for them. Jesus wasn't thinking, oh, how are they ever going to make it out of this? Jesus was not worried for them one bit because he knew, I have you. (laughs) I have you. I will hold you together. And you may not understand why you're going through the storm or how you'll make it through, but Jesus says, but I know why you're going through and how I'm going to save you. And I will not fail you. And when you are going through even the most deadly of storms, Jesus is not worried about you either. Because he's in the boat and he's in control. This is the third thing, truth about Jesus, that we can stand firm on. Jesus is in complete control of every situation. Jesus knows where your future is headed. And, And we walk through life with small perspective. We're focused on the next minute, the next hour, maybe the next day, maybe the next year. And Jesus is focused on eternity. And he sees the big picture. The Bible says we see through glass dimly right now that Jesus doesn't see dimly at all. He has the perspective that we don't have. Jesus' view of the future is completely clear. He knows exactly where he's taking us and how he's taking us there. He knows exactly how he will be using the painful moments in our lives for our good. He knows the joy that we will have. He knows that we're going to make it because he's the one who's going to be making it for us. And in fact, he's already made it for us because Jesus allowed the ultimate storm when he was on the cross to blow over him and he took all of our sin on him and he allowed all of the forces of evil and hatred to blow at him. And when he died on the cross, he sank under the water only to rise up again. And we know because Jesus sank and he rose up to get again, we get to rise up again to eternal life. So Jesus already has made it for us. And he has total delight total joy in his end purposes he's not downcast about our future sometimes we can be downcast a little bit about our future jesus is not at all he is joyful over our future his end purposes are so glorious they outshine any darkness we go through now so as we as we finish just i want us to think what storms are we going through right now What storm are you going through right now? I want to invite you to take this moment to come to Jesus through a foundation of faith and not through a foundation of doubt. Of standing firm on the truths that Jesus has revealed to you in the light. And maybe you're feeling darkness right now. Now is not the time to doubt what God has already revealed to you about himself. And maybe you need Christ in your... Maybe, maybe you don't know if Christ is in the boat with you. But you can know. You can know. You can believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he will be in that boat with you. And you can know that no matter what happens, he is there and that he is good all the time. If you need Jesus in the boat... You can put your hope in him right now. Right now, this very moment. And if you do that, you can know that Jesus has saved you. 
Stephen mentioned Celebration Sunday and a few Sundays from now. We're going to be baptizing people. And if, if you are putting your faith in Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time, having him come in the boat with you, you can be baptized on that Celebration Sunday, just another way that we use water as a, as a symbol of our new life, rising up to new life. If you want more information on that, come talk to me or on your connection card. You can even mark down, I'm interested in baptism for Celebration Sunday. If you're online, send a, an email to the church or give me a phone call. Um, why don't we pray to the Lord right now? And you may be feeling like you're in a storm. And we're going to remind ourselves that we don't have to be afraid. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that um, even though you may be seeming to be quiet and not causing a stir or scene in our life, you may be very calm. Lord, we, we thank you that you're the powerful creator of all that there is and you can calm the storm you can speak the word and everything will be still around us Lord we pray for our storms we pray that you would um, get us through them that you would grow our faith through them and we want to reaffirm our, our trust in you regardless what happens in life you are good all the time, Lord. You are the rock that we stand on. You are our strength. And we want to worship you and know the reassuring presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, our Lord and Savior Christ. Amen.